First Class Fatherhood. That is where Alec Lace comes in with his popular podcast. And one of the most interesting was on a podcast. Alec Lace interviews high-profile fathers from actors to NFL players with a vision to change the narrative of fatherhood and family life. Welcome, everybody, to episode 623 of First Class Fatherhood, which is a family-made media podcast. It is Friday here, and we are going to have some fun. I'll tell you right now, one of the... One of the most popular videos across all social media platforms are these prank videos of people pranking one another. It's like it always goes viral on TikTok, YouTube Shorts, wherever it is, one of the top categories. So today we are going to throw back to one of the original pranksters, and that is Johnny Brennan, who created the Jerky Boys. And I'll tell you what, I grew up listening to this in the early 90s when they created their first album. And to this day, I never laugh harder at any comedy that I listen to, watch or whether it be TV, stand-up, whatever. I'm talking about tears when I listen to Johnny Brennan and the, the characters, the iconic characters that he created, Frank Rizzo, Saul Rosenberg. I mean, I remember listening to it with, with my brother, with my dad, even as a teenager. And, uh, boy, it, it, they really were original, and I love what they did. Johnny Brennan is also very well known uh, for his work on the Emmy-nominated series Family Guy. He does the voice of Mort Goldman, as well as a, a few other characters. He mainly does Mort Goldman, though. Uh, he is a talented guy. He's been around for a long time. The Jerky Boys have sold millions and millions of albums, one of the most successful comedy albums of all time. But what do Johnny's kids think about Frank Rizzo, Sal Rosenberg, and Mort Goldman? Well, we're going to find out about that and so much more. So I'm honored to have him on the podcast today. And I'll tell you, his cameo is really blowing up. And if you know somebody like myself who really loves listening to the Jerky Boys, you got to go check out his cameo. Uh, he'll do those voices. He'll customize the video for you or for, uh, for whoever you're making the video for. He'll do them voices, the, the Frank Rizzo's and the Sal Rosenberg's. He'll give it to you. Check out his Cameo. It's cameo.com forward slash Johnny Brennan, and you will not be disappointed. And one of the best Cameos that are on there right now, uh, just because of those characters that he does. He, he'll do the Mort Goldman if you want, uh, whatever it is. He'll tailor, custom make it to your desire. And I know, you know, maybe it's just me. I, in New York, New Jersey, in this area where I'm from here, I mean, they were just, they exploded here. Everybody was listening to them when I went to high school. Uh, they were so popular. Everybody knew who the characters were. If you, Even some of the phrases that they they created then uh, still carry over to this day. Uh, so it really, I hope you'll enjoy this episode. I really am. Uh, I'm honored to have him on the podcast today. Johnny Brennan will be here with me in just a few minutes, so please stick around for the interview. And today's interview with Johnny Brennan was recorded on video and is available for you guys to watch on my YouTube channel. So if you'd like to watch the conversation between Frank Rizzo and myself, please subscribe to First Class Fatherhood on YouTube. Link is in the description of today's podcast episode. All right, and keep it locked into my Instagram account at Alec underscore Lace for all the upcoming guest announcements. I got three episodes to drop on you guys next week. I've gone back to the three episode a week format. Uh, next week, I'm going to have a husband and wife join me here on the podcast, Bart Johnson, along with his wife, Robin Lively. The two of them star in the new movie, Strong Fathers, Strong Daughters. So, what is it like for a husband and wife to portray a husband and wife in a movie? We're going to talk about that and so much more. So don't miss out on that one coming next week. And as I said, follow me on Instagram at Alec underscore Lace for all the upcoming guest announcements. And please help me spread the word about this podcast every father in your neighborhood or in your contact list and let them know about the show that's here celebrating fatherhood and family life. And never forget, we are not babysitters. We are fathers. And we're not just fathers. We are first-class fathers. My interview with Johnny Brennan of the Jerky Boys, the family guy, coming straight ahead on First Class Fatherhood. 
joining me now, First Class Father, Johnny Brennan. Welcome to First Class Fatherhood. Hey, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Thanks, Alec. Nice. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, let's start right here. How many kids do you have? How old are they? I have two girls. Um, one, one is actually tomorrow. She'll be 19. And my other daughter is uh, going to be 27. Wow. Very cool. Yeah, I, I got one of my son's birthday tomorrow as well. So he, he'll be uh, turning 15. Tomorrow. Mine are 16, 15, uh, 11 and 7. So I got a little ways to go yet. It's I'll tell you what a ride, man. What a journey. Well, take me back to the beginning of it then, Johnny, if you could. About how old were you then when you first became a dad and how did that experience change your perspective on life? It, it was incredible. At the time, I'll never forget, um, we were in Los Angeles and I was at the uh, I was nominated for a Grammy. And um, that is when we actually had the information, you know, that my my wife was going to have a child. And I was like, wow, like it, it kind of hits you like a ton of bricks. You know, you're busy with life and you're doing all kinds of things. And uh, and then, you you know, that's it. Now, that, like you, you start to gear up and you start to say, oh, this is going to be amazing. And and uh, you're looking forward to you, you think of all the things you might want to do. And and um, it, it, it's been absolutely fantastic. But. But when it first gets you, you got a bunch of different things going on at once. It's like tremendous happiness, um, a little bit of trepidation, I guess, like a little bit like, oh, my God, you know, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. But I think it's all fan. And then when it happens, it's just it's overwhelming. It's it's emotion. It's spiritual. It's 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 so much stuff happening at the same time. It's all good, man. Yeah, very well said, Johnny. And then how. Now, obviously, hit the listeners with a little bit about your background for those that don't know a little bit about your background and what you do. OK, um, well, I became famous for doing uh, lots of uh, crazy characters and incorporating my characters um, into my uh everyday spiel with uh, life. And then um, I, I actually got famous for taking these characters and having them interact with other people in phone situations. Because at the time, I mean, that was the greatest medium to actually, well, you say back all the way back, back in the day, you know, 1960s, when I was just a kid, a uh, little kid with a tape recorder, the 1970s, uh, you know, then I had the reel to reel recorders. And then, you know, you know, time would go on and you say, oh man, perfect. And how much easier now it is I, I believe I had a it, it was a boom box uh, and I was taping with a boom box and and a phone and I would take my characters interacting in the open air uh, with other victims on the phone using these characters. And I was just doing it for family, my brothers, because I have a big family myself. I'm the oldest of uh, five children. So I have a big family and um that's what I was doing it for, for a laugh, to make myself get a giggle and and for my brothers and 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 out of the blue, you know, my stuff hit the streets. And 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 back in those days, there was no such thing as we didn't have computers. I mean, you know, it, it was uh, this is way before the Internet. Um, people, no social media, no social media, no Internet, no computers. 
Um, I mean, obviously they had computers in the 50s, but I'm talking about where people are walking around with handheld computers and notebooks. So the Jerky Boys was just this phenomenon. And back in those days, the Jerky Boys were viral before the word viral, so to speak. So people would just, they would hand out a cassette tape. And they would be like, oh, my God, you're not going to believe you got to hear this, man. It's going to blow your mind. You, When you hear this, you're not going to believe it. This guy is doing all these characters and he's completely messing with people's heads. And I can't even do it justice. You're just going to have to listen to it. And they would hand out the tape, hand out the tape. New York Times said it was the largest bootleg in history. And with that being said, and all these radio disc jockeys from coast to coast all over the country, Next thing started playing my 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 tracks and my bits with my characters and the rest is history. It went on to become one of the greatest comedy uh, records of all time. Um, and, 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 you know, just it was just an amazing thing that it turned out to be. But it, it was also amazing for me in the sense that it made people feel really good. And, and, and that's what the, that's what always came back to me. Like Johnny, man, and I, I had wonderful stories about people that were in very bad situations in their lives and things like that. And they said how amazing the Jerky Boys made them feel. And so that's pretty much what I'm known for, creating all these zany, in, insane characters. And the funny thing is, the characters that I really put to put to the public were all real people in my lives. For example, my father is Frank Rizzo. When I do Frank Rizzo, I'm literally doing my father. My mom, whenever I do Sal Rosenberg, which is a huge character, uh, my everybody gets that's that's my mom. And funny enough, my character Sal Rosenberg from the Jerky Boys, I took another side of my mom and created uh, Mort Goldman for Family Guy, Fox Television. So I've been on Fox. I've been on Family Guy now. It's, I think it's 20 seasons. So this is a long time and a long history of these characters that people have fallen in love, fallen in love with. And that's pretty much pretty much in a nutshell. And there's so much more to it. But that's pretty much, you know, the whole deal. Yeah. And Johnny, and congrats, man, on all, everything you've done, because I, I was one of the kids that had that bootleg. I heard you guys first on the bootleg before I got to tape myself. And I, I, to this day, I never laugh harder at anything than when I revisit and listen to what you did with the Jerky Boys. It is the most hysterical form of comedy, I think, that exists. And no matter how now I share it with my teenagers, they listen. They can't stop laughing, tears in their eyes. And it's just it's so cool because I think back to being their age and I remember being the same way and it still hits just as hard today uh, as it did back then. So I, I really love the style. It's definitely something that's so unique. And for me, like my father was a used car salesman in the Bronx his whole life. So like I just, I was so relatable to the guys that you were talking to the way that you came off. And I'm wondering, did it hit the same all over? Like I know for the Northeast, New York, New Jersey, I think it, it makes a better connection, but what was the response you would get from all over the world? Like I would imagine it had to hit differently in the Southeast or the Southwest or something like that. What was kind of the, the, the feedback you got from all over the world, country? Well, the beauty of it is because it was a New York deal. People in New York got it and they loved it. And they everybody in North New York would tell you, oh, my God, my uncle is just like Frank Rizzo. And I had I, I had girls waiting in line uh, at the record stores, 16 year old girls. 
And the, the people would ask him, hey, they'd stick the microphone in their face. Who's your favorite character? And these 16-year-old girls, Frank Rizzo. And they would ask him, why do you love Frank Rizzo? Because he reminds me of my dad. So when you think about um, New York, New Jersey, you know, Pennsylvania-ish, Philadelphia, without question, everybody, you know, they get it here. But the beauty of it is because it was so New York, it went over like gangbusters, no matter where it was played. Now, to this day, you're talking about wherever they speak English, Australia, you know, uh, Canada, Ireland, wherever, wherever you go around the globe. They, they love the jerky boys. And that's why, I, like, I agree with you. New York is a big deal. But I think the New Yorker, that that Frank Rizzo style voice, a great, I think that goes over anywhere. It's funny with the car salesman bit. Even Robert De Niro got in on, you know, a takeoff of the jerky boys. Let's talk selling cars, Paul. You bring in a tank and I'll sell the thing. You know, and, 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 you know, this guy comes in the other day. And, you know, I need dough like anybody else. Now let's talk selling cars. I take his face. I push his face right in the hood and, and it go on and on with this idea. And people listen to that and they're like, holy Jesus, this guy, he wants to sell cars and he's threatening people. He's going to take <laughs> their face and shove it in the hood. And so Robert De Niro did a little sketch. A little, and it's you could actually find that. Google it, and he's doing the whole Frank Rizzo, Frank Rizzo spiel about you know, oh hey, I'm trying to sell you this, and it, the whole that you know that Frank Rizzo attitude. But I think what you're saying is exact when you think about it. It's I I believe it's in spite of the fact that it was a New York based thing that it went crazy everywhere. Yeah, there's there's really nothing else that that's like it. It's definitely very unique in the way it's done. And I love like, uh, when's the last time you drove a tractor trailer? Uh, two weeks ago, I robbed one down in Jersey. You know, like uh, some of that stuff, man. Now, how did this come into play with your fatherhood journey? Now, were you was your oldest born while this was still going on? And how did it kind of how did becoming a father kind of change your trajectory as far as your career and stuff? Um, that's a great question. Uh, yes. Um, I was famous doing this whole thing long before uh, my daughter, uh, Victoria, was born. Um, and I really had to be careful about making any sorts of changes to what I did um, because of that. Because I'm in, I'm in a world where I create this, this nonsense and this, this uh, chaos with these characters. So I got to keep just, you know, I, I don't ever look at anything I ever did and say, oh, you know, I'm really uh, upset or embarrassed about that. And, you know, there's a couple of things I might hear back today that if my daughters heard it, I'd be like, oh, you know, but maybe only one or two things as far as maybe a couple of F-bombs from Frank, um, which is not a big deal. Even when I did the Jerky Boys movie for Disney Pictures, it was as clean as a whistle. And I think the only reason that they rated it R was because there was more than one F-bomb. Um, so I never, you know, it, it, it was kind of cool in a way. And my daughter growing up in it. Now, my other one's 19. She'll be 19 tomorrow. So they're both, you know, they're both like matter of factly. You know, they're people say, do you understand, you know, how many people your dad touched the lives of so many people? And, and whenever they hear that, they don't roll their eyes, but it's almost like, oh, 
yeah, whatever. And it's like kind of funny in a way. But their attitude is like, well, we see it all day long. You know, we hear them in the shower. We hear them at the house. So we're always getting a little bit of that, you know. But um, I think I think that that's the only way I can. It, it kind of just they kind of just mesh together well. And um, because it wasn't anything, you know, crazy or, you know, and I think to this day, both my daughters have a very good sense of humor. Um, but I'm not saying that's because of me. I just think, I just think that they do, but I don't think, I think, I think it just all worked itself. Just, just, you know, you got to find the road, you know, if that, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does make sense, Johnny. And, you know, I was going to also add to that. I mean, I, I work for the railroad. I'm a railroad mechanic. I've been doing that 22, 23 years. My grandfather, that my grandfather did that. Awesome. Many ago, he worked for the New York City Railroads. Yeah, well, well, that's what I've been doing. And one of the things is the way that things have changed. Now, the, the railroad is, is a huge melting pot. Every culture, every nationality, everything is represented on the railroad. So and everybody 20 years ago, you could break balls. You could have you could rib on one another and everybody. Nobody ever got offended by any of it. That's changed now. The times have changed where that comes where you got to kind of watch what you say. You don't want to offend anybody. And when you look back at some of the stuff that you guys were doing, it was relatable. Then nobody was offended by it. Today, I don't think you could get away with half of the stuff that you guys were able to get away with when you were doing that. What, what, how has that kind of changed the way that you do it or the way that you go about doing the comedy now with the new, I guess you'd say, wokeism, cancel culture, the whole bit? Well, you see, uh, again, it gets back to me personally. I was always very uh, one way. I don't, I don't play phony games. I don't uh, do any of this uh, silliness. Um, and one thing I've always had on my side, even going back many moons ago, the jerky boys was always self-deprecating humor. Um, even when I did here, I'll show you, this is my new album. This is the jerky boys. This is my brand new record. And, uh, I named it the jerky boys, like, like it's namesake from 30 years ago. Um, but my whole shtick always has been. Like Frank Rizzo, he might be the most insane. People go, oh, my God, did you hear this guy? Oh, and oh, my God, I can't believe he said he's going to wrap somebody's head in with a ratchet. And and, and two seconds later, I think I remember Howard Stern saying this years ago, Howard said, yeah, but he has a way of like, how lovable is this guy, Frank Rizzo? You know, he'll he'll smack you in the head with a ratchet and then he slowly reels you back in and says he's the best. And then you're back in the conversation again where you're like, did this guy just say something to me? And all of a sudden now we're talking nice again. And if you look at any of my characters, there was never anything racial or anything for my for, for example, my gay character goes back to when I was just a child. I was I, I've been doing the gay character. You're talking 1970s, 80s, 90s, 2000s, all through all these decades. And nobody's ever said that stuff about the jerky boys, because it, right here on the new album I just showed you, I, I put out a brand new record. It went straight to number one. It went straight to number one. I do the same stuff that I did. And it's I don't I don't um, I don't make apologies for what I do. What I do is I make people laugh. I use these characters that are based on my dad, my mom, uh, my uncle, uh, uh, farmer that I knew up here in upstate New York. 
It's all people that I've known and I rely on my, my brain to take it into a direction where people go, holy Christmas, what the hell was that? And just basically, so you're laughing more at the absurdity and the chaos. And I don't ever, never in my work, have you ever seen me hurt somebody or take or try to hurt another person's feelings? Um, that's just not what I do. And it's not what the jerky boys is all about. My brand of humor is it's about making fun of me and my characters and their situations. Yeah, and, and, it, and it comes off beautifully, too, Johnny. And how about as far as you as a, a back to being a father with your girls? What, what type of disciplinarian are you as a dad? And is that different than the discipline style you grew up with? Absolutely. Um, I've tried, you know, as a parent, you've got to you, you, sometimes when things don't work. You're like, man, I wonder if I should go back to the way I was raised. And, you know, back in, in my day, you know, if you leave, if you looked at my mom sideways after she said something, you got a crack in the mouth, you know, and God forbid, you know, with my dad, if I uh, if I disrespected, that was the big thing. Like when it came to grades in, in school, my, my dad, my mom, they wanted good grades, but my dad was a stickler on conduct and and respect if there was any disrespect or anything along those lines back in the day my father the belt would come off and i'd have my ass whipped into next week and and it's just part of the american you know growing up you know irish immigrants and it's not just irish immigrants it's old school where if you're disrespecting and you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing you're going to get, you know, we didn't have timeouts. You see what I'm saying? A timeout was a, was a, a good smack to the chops. You know, that was that was your timeout. You got a little time to run into the bathroom, get a napkin and cry a little bit. That was your timeout. But um, with that being said, you know, I guess that's with, with my girls. I I've, I've sometimes say, hey, maybe maybe I got to be a little more stern, although, I, you know, I have girls, so it's harder for me, but I remember with my, with my, with my dad, it was, you know, he's raising a bunch of boys and he only had the one girl. So with us boys, you know, it's easy. You get, you get out of line, you get, you get cracked pretty good or you get your, an ass whipping. But for me, it's like, I can't do that with girls. So to be stern, maybe, uh, you know, like a, a bit of fast movements, but um, they're different. Girls are, it's like night and day raising a boy and raising a girl. They're just completely different animals. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, I don't have to tell you. You got, you got the three boys, you said, right, and one girl. Yep, and my girl is my youngest, too. So, yeah, there's a definite noticeable difference in my disciplining with the two of them. But I'm the same way as you grew up with a totally different style of discipline. My father was 50 years old when he had me, so he came from a completely different uh, school of discipline. I can tell you one ass whooping that I caught when we were uh, we were listening to the Jerky Boys. We were doing these phone calls trying to imitate, and we were going through the phone book, the yellow pages back then, and we found our gra gra grammar school um, English teacher's number in the white pages, so we called and pranked her. She star 69 did. My mother answered the phone, and we caught hell for that one, too, so okay. that, that, that was definitely one of those deals, but yeah, definitely different with my, my daughter than it is with my sons. Now, how about as far as when it comes to the to the dating scene? My daughter's only seven. I haven't gotten there yet. You, you're right there. You've been through this. 
Uh, do you get, do, do, does Frank Rizzo get on the phone and talk to the boyfriend sometimes? Or how do you, how did you kind of, how did you handle it when your girls became old enough to start dating? It's, it's funny, you know, I don't know why it is, but I was never one of these guys or parents that would be like, Man, if you come over to date my daughter, I'm going to have a shotgun behind that door, man. That was never my mentality. I was not uh, I, I believe that they they need to, you know, make make their own mistakes. They got to they got to live their own lives. You know what I'm saying? It's um, obviously there are things you want to make sure you try to teach them well and you try to set them, you know, with guidelines that are going to be good for them. Um that would be the extent of just wanting the best for them. Um, but I was never into, uh, you know, you know, who is this guy? You better bring him to the house and I want to straighten him out. That's that's not my shtick. And I don't now I'm sure their boyfriends would tell you a different story. I may not be the nicest guy in the world. And there are times when uh, if I'm a little displeased, um, I'm sure they get the message loud and clear like, oh, geez, oh, you know. But um, I don't really think it's necessary to be that intrusive to make their life a living hell. If it's especially somebody that they really care about, I think they'll find their own way and they'll make their own mistakes. But that's just me, you know. Yeah, yeah, very well said, Johnny. Yeah, and I, I'm trying to kind of callous my own mind for when I'm about when I get ready to hit those uh, days. Thank God they're a little ways away from me yet, so I have a little bit of time to prepare. Yeah, that's for but, sure. And of course, now, too, you said the, the family guy, 20 seasons doing the voice. How did what was the genesis of that? How did you come into the to the family guy um, uh, job? Well, Seth MacFarlane, the creator of Family Guy, uh, he was a huge fan of mine since he was a little kid. Um, he's the same age as my baby brother. Uh, so Seth is about 13 years younger than me. And uh, he grew up listening on my my stuff. So he loved Frank Rizzo. He loved Sal Rosenberg. He loved all the Jerky Boys characters. So um, when I met Seth and we used to get together in New York and well, I actually read for uh, I read for the show before it even had a name. I actually read for the character Peter, the main character. Um, and, you know, and at the time, this is I, I'm, I'm thinking this is probably 94 94, 95. And I'm thinking, you know, sometime around there. And so I read for Peter and um, I still have the script actually upstairs. And I read for Peter and uh, I remember the uh, the the producers on the show were like uh, they were like kind of scolding Seth, you know, and this is this is when Seth was just coming in. So he's brand new. He's all new to this scene. So they were probably like, you know, this is the Jerky Boys. And the Jerky Boys had been around for, you know, a long time. So the, these uh, these producers are like, you know, Frank Rizzo, you know, I'll wrap your and hit him with a ratchet. I'll, I'll and all this all this 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 stuff. And and the last thing they're thinking is how are we going to we're trying to make a. a a Fox television cartoon and, and how, I, no, no way, no way, no way. So that went to the wayside, but Seth never gave up. Like I said, he was always such a, a huge fan. So he kept it up and he flew to New York 
and we met in New York City and everything was still brand new. And he they wanted to use uh, Saul Rosenberg, my character from the Jerky Boys, to be one of the neighbors on Family Guy, one of the guys in the neighborhood. So I said, well, Saul Rosenberg is a Jerky Boys character and, and, and he's been around for many years. And and I just didn't want to make that move. But I said, well, I have, you know, I'll come up with, you know, I came up with Mort Goldman, a character for Family Guy. And the rest is history. And what I did was I split the difference. Like, for example, Saul Rosenberg in the Jerky Boys. Saul Rosenberg is like, um, yes, should I bring all my shoes and my glasses? Because I went to the observatory and I can't see so good. And when I do Mort Goldman on Family Guy, that's the other personality of my mom where she used to get pissed off and amped up. Like, Peter, are you going to help me burn down the pharmacy or what? What are we going to do here? And Mort Goldman is just more like angst. Oh, gee. And he's and Mort Goldman's not afraid of a brawl. You know, where Saul Rosenberg is the other side, just a little bit more calm, a little bit more collected. Yeah. And, he, and he's always got serious problems with himself. But um, and that would be the difference. So that's how I got involved. And then I went on to do lots of different voices in Family Guy. Um, you you name it. I pretty much did it. I do a lot. of I've done a lot of the gay stuff. Um, and so um Family Guy is just it was just a natural fit for my characters to cross over from the jerky boys into that animated world. Yeah, incredible stuff. So obviously the, the new album that you got, you're still uh, busy. What kind of projects, what kind of goals, what's coming up next for you? What are you working on? Well, right now I'm in talks with uh, with uh, a group in Los Angeles on doing a jerky boys animated series. Um, lots of podcasts. Um, what the hell I got so much there. Actually, the guy, there was a film crew here yesterday working on, uh, putting a documentary together. So like a living documentary. So like, we're like moving on, you know, we got how many decades in the can with the jerky boys and it just keeps on going and going. It's like a freight train. It just keeps on going. And it's so funny now to see all, I, I, I do very rarely, but I do some of these comic cons. You know, and they're very interesting shows. And I didn't even know what they were until recently. So I was doing a show. I don't I, I don't remember. I think it was New York, may have been Seattle. And there was these two young girls and they were like 11 and 12 years old, maybe 10 and 11. And they came over to my table. And I'm thinking, the, look at how these girls are adorable. And that I'm thinking they're, they're you know, I got because I have family guys, jerky boys. And I thought they'd come over for some family guy autographs. And I said to her, I said, well, and, and the two guys, I swear to God, they go, the two girls are like, no, we love the jerky boys. We're here for the jerky boys. And they got uh, they got eight by tens of my gay character, Jack Torres. And it was the cutest thing you ever saw. And the reason I'll never forget it, how coincidental the girls names were Samantha and Victoria, my daughter's names. So, I mean, how what are the chances of that? But it was it was really adorable to see that. Um, and you, you can't you, you can't put that into words. You know how everything has come full circle. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, incredible, incredible stuff, Johnny. What an amazing career! Still a lot ahead of you. The last thing I want to hit you with here, I love to ask all the dads that I get on the podcast, what type of advice do you have for that new dad or for that about to be father who's out there listening? 
Um, the only advice I, I, I could give if I, you know, I'm, I guess I'm, I don't think I'm an expert on giving advice, but I think that if I had to give something that would probably be helpful, it would be just to just enjoy every second of it. Because I'm telling you right now, I don't know where the hell it went. I don't know. We're just joking now how your, your, your daughter's just a young girl. And I swear to God, it was like yesterday that I had Victoria outside filling up the bird feeders. And I have this on video. I have, I'm doing an old 1920s. I have it on, I actually have it on video. And I swear when I think about me filming her helping me do the bird feeders, I swear to God, it feels like I just shot that last week. She's going to be 27. Where does it go? Where does it go? It just like that. So the best advice I can say, just enjoy every minute of it. And there's never been a moment of either of my daughters that I wasn't there for them. I think this is the most important thing. If I could give anything, I was lucky in the sense that I could be. And in some situations, I may not have, I may have still done it either way, but to be there regardless whether it's basketball, softball, practices, whether they were in dance school, dance recitals, there was never a single thing that I ever missed, um, ever, not even a single practice. So I was there for every single thing, every part of the way. And now it's unbelievable because 19 and 27. But I, I think that's super important because it's something that they'll never forget either, that you really enjoyed every minute of being there for them and with them. And I think that would probably be the probably the best thing I could say. Yeah, yeah. very well said, Johnny. I love the message. This has been a, a lot of fun for me. I got to say you're a first-class father all the way. And thank you so much for giving me a few minutes of your time here on First Class Fatherhood. Thank you very much, Alec. I really appreciate it. And I just one more, a big shout out to all the Jerky Boys fans Without the Jerky Boys fans, that's that's what makes the world go round. Thank you, Alec, very much. Yeah, I'm one of those fans. You have so been thank listening you. To First Class. Thank you. First Class Fatherhood is a family-made media podcast. Please visit www.firstclassfatherhood.com or www.familymade.com to find out more details. You can order First Class Fatherhood advice and wisdom from high-profile dads on Amazon.com or wherever books are sold. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Proverbs 22.6 tells us, train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will never depart from it. God bless, and I'll catch you next time.